I'm now speaking with Stuart Mitchell of SW Mitchell, who is one of the managers on our European strategies. Stuart, hello to you. Hello. So, Stuart, perhaps we can start with France, which makes up a significant portion of the two funds that you manage for the clients of St James's Place. Clearly, there's been quite a lot of political change over the recent months, and I wondered how you felt about that in the context of the investments that you're making in that country. France is an unusual market. Rather like the United Kingdom, the country has a history of empire, speculative capital raising. And so, so there's a much broader selection of companies to invest in than, say, for example, the German market or the Dutch market. So in France, we're able to find all sorts of very unusual, unique growth company situations, which you can't, you can't uh, uncover elsewhere in Europe. For example, a company like Seb or, or Pierre or Eurofans. But how does the political environment change that? Uh, the political environment doesn't really affect our list of French holdings. Only two of our businesses, Saint-Gobain Le Grand, have significant exposure to domestic France. And as you know, the domestic economy in France is recovering very strongly. Mm. Uh, our, our judgment was always that um, Marine Le Pen would gain something like 35% of the, the, the vote maximum. And in the end, as you know, Macron uh, managed to achieve a, a resounding success victory. And do you think in terms of France's position at the heart of Europe that that creates comfort and strength in in the conversations you're having with uh, with the online companies? That should do. It, it's, um, it, it's a fascinating question because we were in um, France at the time of the election mm. and a number of our companies, particularly Saint-Gobain, another house builder we were speaking to, told us that following the victory of Macron, they saw a noticeable increase in activity, right. three, four, five, six percentage points increase in activity after the announcement of the election result. So I think it gives people a sense of a much greater sense of security about the overall European project and the sustainability of the euro. It's probably worthwhile saying that since the experience of Brexit and Trump last year, support for the European project across the eurozone has risen dramatically. So it's running at something like 67% for the project, and that's up 10 percentage points or so from last year before uh, yeah. Brexit and Trump. So you mentioned Sangaman as a house builder a few moments ago, um, but moving on to the UK, mm. there's been um, house building companies in the UK that you've you've actually sold positions in, and yet you've retained uh, Taylor Wimpy. Perhaps you could help us understand what your rationale is behind generally that stocks in that yes. sector, but then specifically Taylor Wimpy. Well, we had an extraordinary opportunity to invest in the British house building sector after the crisis. Mm. As you can imagine, there was there was carnage, and many of the smaller house builders collapsed. And, and so we were left with this unusually... Um, Sorry, so that's taking us back to 2009 yes. rather, rather than the recent um, post-referendum crisis. Indeed, back to 2009. So it's yeah. left us with this rather unusually kind of um, oligopolistic situation for the, for the industry. So we really have Taylor Wimpy, Barrett, Barclay Group, Persimmon and one or two others. And um, we were able to buy these shares at uh, absolute kind of knockdown prices at a fraction of their book value. And at the same time, we could see a dramatic recovery in the sector. And it was our view at the time, and we've since proven to be right, that um, you know the, the, the consolidation with the industry would mean that margins would stay much higher for much longer within the industry. And we felt it. We we thought at that stage it would be very difficult for smaller players um, to be able to get to, to raise capital in order to be able to invest in land. So so they've been a great investment for us. But the, the, the challenge the challenge now is. We think the outlook is beginning to become quite well discounted by many other fund managers. And we also see a number of income managers buying um, shares in, in Taylor Wimpy and others. We also, our, our first sale was, uh, was in uh, McCarthy and Stone. And McCarthy and Stone are slightly unusual because they build retirement homes. Mm. And of course, that's heavily dependent on the second-hand market. And the second-hand market deteriorated significantly post-Brexit. 
We then sold Barrett Group. And that was because, again, what I said, you know, the shares performed fantastically well. The stories beginning to become quite well recognised. But we were also a little bit nervous with Barrett because they have quite a significant exposure to the London property market. And that kind of dangerous price level, one and a half million pounds, where there's, um, we think there's um, significant oversupply. So you think there's a, that there is a appreciable difference between London and the rest of the oh, UK? Dramatic. So in the rest of the UK, it's difficult to see there's an oversupply. There's still a very... Um, you know, demand, as far as we can judge, is still significantly ahead of supply. The only thing really restraining um, the demand side is uh, the possibility of people getting mortgages. Right. OK. The final question I wanted to ask you was in connection with your banking exposure mm. and, and how you've adjusted that and, and, again, what the impact of a Brexit environment is for your holdings in that part of the market. We made our first investments back just at 2009, 2010, when mm. the shares had been crushed. And it seemed to us it was a great opportunity to buy the strongest franchises at knockdown valuations. So we were able to buy Lloyd's at 20 pence, and now it's trading 60 pence, 65 pence. So, so the big challenge where we are now is um, what is the impact of Brexit? Has the outlook deteriorated somewhat in the last 18 months? And our view is it is it it has marginally but not enough for us to sell the positions, and we still think there's significant upside. The, the, the one thing we've really got to get very keep a very close eye on is how the unsecured book performs, the credit card book performs. Because, of course, if we do go into a slower economy or even a recession, then that's where NPLs do start to pick up. No, significant. NPLs, you mean non-performing, non-performing loans. loans? Yes. And uh, in our view, though, we've done a lot of work in this area, is most of the dangerous stuff, the kind of lower social economic groups, lending um, credit cards have been um, offered by people like Virgin Money, the new entrance challenger banks, whereas Lloyds and Barclays have been much more disciplined about who they're offering credit cards to. And as you know, both companies are very well capitalised, banks are very well capitalised. And uh, if there is some kind of pick-up and impairments, it should easily be absorbed just within by the profitability of the groups. Stuart, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.